Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daydon Tolbert Show. I am your host, Daydon Tolbert. Uh, we are here on the East Coast digging ourselves out of uh, what they're calling the uh, a nor'easter. And uh, I think we got here in my area about six, seven inches maybe. But, um, you know, it's all good. Um, you know, continue to pray for everybody who was affected, uh, you know, negatively by this storm. You know, everything is okay you know, here where I am and, and, you know, my family. But unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of people who uh, are not so fortunate. So keep them in your thoughts. Today, um, first let me say, it's been a little while since I was last live. And, you know, every year I do a a winter hiatus, usually a uh, summer, excuse me, uh, Christmas, New Year's. You know, I do a little, take a little break. But, um, you know, I took a later break, um, you know, this year. And, um I wanted to take some time away just to kind of reflect, um, reflect on everything that's going on in the world, in the news, in the media, entertainment, and um, <clears throat> just come back uh, refreshed. You know, I've been feeling kind of uh, tired with social media, um, just a lot of foolishness, a lot of, a lot of negativity, and so I just kind of have, have been a little bit more uh, withdrawn. So, um, but I'm back. You know, I'm back today, and uh, today I wanted to. Uh, do you know, talk about a lot of things, a lot of different things. I want to talk a little politics. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Oscars. As you guys know, every year I do a uh, post-Oscar recap, a post-Grammy recap, the Super Bowl, um, you know, MTV Music Awards special, um, and just those are like the more bigger, the bigger events in in Hollywood and in entertainment, and they're often very indicative of a lot of the negativity, the evil that exists in our society. And I want to take some time today to, you know, talk about the Oscars, you know, and not just like everyone else talks about the Oscars, but from a, a spiritual standpoint, a, a cultural standpoint, I want to look at, um, you know, movies like Moonlight and all the hype surrounding it, you know, the themes and um, that we saw in it and, and why it was, you know, so critically acclaimed, whereas films like Birth of a Nation, you know, were, um, were not as positively received or as critically acclaimed or, or didn't win, you know, any awards. And so I want to talk about that disparity, that discrepancy, and, you know, what that really means. So I'll do that. A little bit later also I want to talk about, uh, you know, it's, it's coming up, you know, it doesn't feel like it here on the East Coast right now, but uh, it, we are coming up and approaching spring. And I want to talk about, you know, first of all, with spring, comes the uh, often, you know, you get spring flings. You get the end of cuffing season. You know, the, the women are wearing less clothing. The men are coming out. And it's like, you know, everyone is happy to just be outside, not be cooped up in the, the house. And so you see often a lot of flings, a lot of situations uh, that lead into the summertime. And I want to talk about, how to avoid the spring flings and ultimately find summer love. And what I, what I put together <clears throat> is really the, what I call the top 10 ways to, you know, for, specifically for women, to bring that about. You know, how to eliminate being targeted for sex, how to increase your chances and the likelihood of you being found by the man that God has for you. So that's one of the things I want to do today. And, um, you know, I want to do a little bit of Ask Data on Advice Hour. I want to do 
uh, talk a little bit of, you know, what's going on in the world. There's a lot going on in the world. And I just have a list, you know. It's, uh, you know, over the, the, the last month or so that I haven't been live, I've, been, I've still been being a, a tally of, of what's been going on and just jotting little things down so I didn't, um, yeah, because a lot of the stuff is, is important to discuss, so I don't want to miss out on it. You know, I won't get to everything today, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, but, yeah, so starting off, you know, what's going on? Like I said, huge snowstorm out there, huge snowstorm. One of the things I said last night to the ladies is, you know, ladies, and this is, really could be saved for one of the top ten ways to have love is, I said don't blame that dude, you know, for being a deadbeat a year from now. You know, 10 months from now, 16 months from now, whatever it ends up being, you know, when when you're pregnant or, you know, have had a child and the guy is nowhere to be found. I said, no one told you to get snowed in, you know, with him today. And, you know, and I kind of said that a little, you know, tongue in cheek. Uh, but the reality is that there's a lot of truth to that because, you know, I think we all know that, you know, no one wants to be outside in the wintertime. And, if you, you know, again, we we did a whole show on cuffing season. So if you have, you know, a few months ago, so you have cuffing season and, and we're right in the midst of it, that's the whole point of it is to have someone to cuddle up with when it's cold outside, have someone to hang out with, sex. You know, that, that would be the ideal time for that person is, you know, a nor'easter. And so, you know, you, you got to, if you, if you choose to do that, you have to take, you know, and accept the consequences of that. Uh, and often that is you know, it is a child. It is um, unwanted children in many cases. It, it often ends up being, um, you know, baby mama drama, baby father drama, and, and so on. And so you just want to kind of, you know, stay away from those types of situations, right? And that's kind of, you know, and so I want to just throw that out there before I jump into, you know, my, my political uh, piece of what's going on in the world um, and I don't have a lot to say regarding politics. I mean, I think we know, I mean, the election is over. Um, you know, obviously Donald Trump is in office. A lot of people aren't happy about that. But we're still seeing a lot of things going on in the news regarding um, just the battle in Congress, um, social media. Um, you know, you've got things like the travel ban, which I did a whole, you know, big thing on, um, you know, recently. It, one of the things I'll say about it from politics from this standpoint is I said online, I said on Facebook and you know, social media, while many people wake up mad about who's living in the White House, I personally try to wake up happy and blessed that I'm still living. I told everyone to have a great, optimistic, and positive day. And the reality is that's just how I try to live life. I mean, the rea- you know, Whoever Donald Trump in office or Barack Obama in office, it, it doesn't. It's not going to affect. It shouldn't affect your level of happiness, your level of positivity. The Bible says that we should be joyful and continuously pray. Be joyful always and pray continuously. So if you're doing those things, at what point do you have time to update your status about how pissed off you are that Donald Trump is president? You know, I'm just asking. You know what I mean? If if you are remaining positive, if you're remaining prayerful and, and, and you know, spiritually based. You know, it's, it's one thing to speak about. Like I speak about politics. You know, I'll discuss politics. I'll even debate politics. But when you, there's a difference between expressing displeasure in something and allowing displeasure to literally shape who you are on a daily basis. If you are now a, more, a negative person, 
or a more negative person because of who's in the White House, that's, you know, that's not, that's not healthy. And so, you know, I just, I try to, you know, put things out there um, in a way that, you know, I'm not trying to judge anyone. I mean, people are free to obviously express how they want to feel, but the reality is, I mean, it's not affecting me and it shouldn't affect you emotionally, you know, spiritually. It's politics. Politics in and of it. You know, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know what I mean? It's not about who's in office. It's not about a particular person, but it's about spiritual wickedness in high places. It's about the people who really control this country are here to do evil. So when you look at it from that perspective, everyone is evil. You know what I mean? Everyone in government, everyone, the whole system is, in fact, evil. So, you know, people say, oh, my gosh, well, the last eight years were so great. Again, that doesn't change what the Bible says about spiritual wickedness in high places. It's been evil. This is nothing new. Okay? Now, so there's that. Um, but in the news, there was this whole thing about, you know, Donald Trump is accusing Barack Obama of tapping his phone. Now, I'm not into the, the gossip. I'm not into... Uh, conspiracy theories or, you know, um, although I will say a lot of things I discuss are classified as conspiracy theories, but I don't subscribe. I think that's a stupid term. Um, I think that people look at it like anything that's not reported by CNN or NBC as a conspiracy theory, which is ridiculous. Um, But that said, I don't necessarily know 100% if Donald Trump was being spied on by Barack Obama. Um, But what I will say, what I will say is, guys, you have to understand that I mean, many things. But the United States government is comprised of many different branches. You have the executive branch, the legislative branch of the government, the judicial branch. You know, executive, legislative, and, and judicial. But then, on the, aside from that, you have many different organizations things like the FBI, the CIA, you know, and many different uh, components of the government that, unfortunately, we don't even know about. And so it's important to understand that even the ones that we do know about, like the CIA, the FBI, these are corrupt organizations, okay? These are, in many cases, they, they you know, do things very covertly. You know, the United States government is responsible for assassin, assassinations, you know, invasions that you'll never see on CNN. You have to understand the government 100% controls the media. Why do you think that 90% of the things that actually go on around the world, and even in the government, we don't even hear about? Okay, you don't even know about. You find out about it later on. What you're going to hear about on tonight's news is old news to people who are really in the government. You know what I mean? If if the government, only people don't understand. Only thing they have to do is is classify something, you know, in the interest of national security. And that prevents the media from being able to say anything about. They could have information, you know what I mean? But if they, you know, if if that would be harmful to what someone in the government considers to be harmful, then then we're not allowed to know about it as people. And so, there. My point is, there are many different things that happen. You know, whether that's spying, whether you know, wiretapping. Uh, I mean, Edward Snowden revealed tons of uh, illegal spying techniques specifically done by Barack Obama, the NSA, um, you know, other corporations that are government-influenced, 
you know, like Facebook and different forms of social media designed to illegally uh, spy on United States citizens. Um, WikiLeaks just published tons and tons of information that um, show, you know, many different forms of government spying techniques. And if you haven't seen that, it was actually released last week. And I got a chance to look through some. I'm like, wow, this is stuff you won't see on CNN. And one of the great things about um, about WikiLeaks is that it, it had, no one has ever questioned the validity of the content. Like no one questioned uh, the validity of these Hillary Clinton emails. No one has questioned the validity of these these most recent leaks. Uh, regarding government spying techniques. And what that tells me is like, like this is no, it's not about it being fake. That's not a question. It's a, the question is, that, you know, they're saying, well, the government is responsible for the information leaked by WikiLeaks. It's like, okay, whoever is responsible for it. I mean, that may or may not be true. It's probably not true. But it's, you know, the reality is they're still giving us this information that we need to know and that would not, otherwise be known made available aside from these these leaks so just please understand whether Barack Obama was you know spying on Donald Trump's phone calls had his phone tapped I don't know no one really knows for sure you know, not, not the public but I want people to understand that don't think that that's out of the question you know people people like you know Robert Kennedy Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X, you know, and tons of other people. Okay, tons of other people were were being had their phones tapped. They were being, you know, if you look at Martin Luther King, they I don't know if you guys know the CIA. They sent Coretta, um, Coretta King, Coretta Scott King, all this information about Martin Luther King, his infidelities. They were following him. They had his phone tapped. That's how they got that information. They sent that to her. So she could know. That's how that information became available, and and tons of other stuff, guys. So this is not something new, you know. The government spying on citizens is not something new, and it's not like oh, Barack Obama, spe- you know, specifically and personally went into Donald Trump's homes and that. No, but it's you know, it's covert government operation, you know, uh, agencies, the CIA, CIA or whoever, you know, they do this stuff. I mean, you guys don't watch Twenty Four, you know what I mean? You don't. Watch these these shows that I mean that shows exactly how realistic you know this stuff is. So I just wanted to put that out there. I mean, like I said, I don't know exactly what was going on. None of us will ever really truly know the truth, but trust and believe, the government is not innocent, guys. It's it's actually ridiculous to think that you know stuff like that doesn't happen. And two citizens. Uh, what else is going on in the world? A lot of things going on in the world today. Um, everyone was talking last week about Lent. Um, Lent, which is uh, traditionally a you know a Christian holiday, holiday um, designed to give up certain things to you know form a um, you know a closer relationship with God, and the Catholics you know do a really big you know uh, thing around it. It's a really big tradition, um, and many pieces aspects of the Christian Church or, the, or just Christianity, but specifically Catholicism, and. One of the things that I found interesting, uh, interesting, and I posted this on uh, Facebook last week, was I said, okay, you're not Catholic, uh, you don't go to church, and every year you post about how Christmas 
is a pagan holiday. You you go on and on about how you love Halloween and you get this elaborate costume, you know, and all types of stuff, cussing on you know on social media. I mean all all types of stuff. And I'm not like I said I don't judge that those things, but I do observe those things, right? And I said, but you're excited about giving up this and that for Lent. Right? I mean, like, you're, like I said, you're not Catholic. You're not even Christian. I mean, not, and, not, and it's okay to not be Catholic and celebrate Lent. I want to make that clear. It's okay to, to be a Christian, you know, but who's not super spiritual or traditional, you know what I mean, super religious. And it's okay to celebrate Lent or other Easter or whatever Christmas. But when you, but my point is, when you go out of your way, okay, to demean Christmas, to disrespect Jesus, to make jokes, disrespectful jokes um, about Christianity as a whole, but because social media makes it cool to post about what you're giving up for Lent, you, you go on, oh, I'm giving up this for Lent. It's like, Lent, why are you even celebrating Lent if you don't, if you're not a Christian? Whether you're a Catholic or not, like if you're not even a Christian, if you have a problem with re- with religion itself, you know what I mean. What are you celebrating Lent for? So, and it's it's just people are just really crazy, you know. And I think I got to just start deleting people because my Facebook, like I don't even I'm not one of those people who just scrolls and scrolls and scrolls, you know, down my timeline looking for things to comment. I don't do that. It's a waste of time. I mean, I don't knock anyone who does it, but I just don't have the time to do that. I don't really care, to be quite honest with you, what most, the vast majority of my Facebook followers are doing. I don't. No disrespect. You know what I mean? But, you know, some people. But I just see so much craziness and so many, so many stupid comments and disrespectful comments and vulgar comments. I, you know, I don't know. I, I maybe start deleting people, get, you know, blocking people, whatever, but it's really getting crazy out here. Um, so talking about what's going on in the world and, you know, and this is a good segue for, you know, the Oscars and, and everything that's going on in Hollywood. When you have, you know, the, the, one of the major award shows, you got the Grammys, which was actually, I believe my last live show where I talked about the whole Beyonce performance and the, 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 you know, demonic and, and satanic evil imagery that we all blatantly saw that was my last live show but you have these major events um and then you know the oscars right after there's a lot of things to look out for um and one of the things that i will say about that and i posted this on online i said that it's not at all essential to constantly beg the white man's award shows the Oscars, the Emmys, the Grammys, the Tonys, for validation. When we as African Americans have such a long history of cultural greatness in film, television, stage, and music. You know, and I said congratulations to every person of color that's ever been honored, but we were great with or without, we are great with or without Hollywood's approval. And, you know, I wanted to elaborate a little bit on that. You know, it's unfortunate that we get so caught up as a, as a group of people. You know, we get caught up in, you know, celebrities. You look at what the Bible says about celebrities. You look at, you know, um, 
you know, Access Hollywood, Extra, all these little, you know, entertainment news shows, and, you know, then you get your MTV awards, the tabloids, I mean, it, it, you know, fashion police season. People get so excited. You just keep up. You got your reality shows. We can actually follow these celebrities, their lives. People have become obsessed with celebrities, the celebrity lifestyle, and then celebrity achievement. That's why the Oscars, the Grammys, the Tonys are so popular because people want it. They they follow these. They live, in many cases they live vicariously through these celebrities. So they want it. That's like when when Denzel wins, you know, an Oscar. You feel like you're winning an Oscar. When Beyonce wins the Grammy. You feel like you're winning because all year round you lived through that person. You followed their every move. And many, not everyone, but in many cases, that's that's how it is. People have become obsessed with these celebrities. And so one of the things that people need to understand is that we have so many different forms of of of, of entertainment, you know, movies, TV, stage plays. And we I've seen some really great performances, you know, on in, from independent films, from some blockbuster films. And, you know, most of those great performances that I've seen in my life have never and will never win an Oscar, a Golden Globe, a Tony, does that mean that that particular song, you know, is not a good song or not even a great song or one of my favorite songs of all time because it didn't win a Grammy? No, absolutely not. Those things don't matter, okay? They only matter because Hollywood says they matter. Hollywood sets this, this, this you know, barometer for what is considered great by what awards they choose to get. What people don't even realize is that the, the irony of this, the irony of it all, is that the Grammys, the Oscars, they're more political than anything. Their awards are not even based off of talent in many cases. They're, not even, they're certainly not based on greatness. Now, every once in a while, you will have a great performance that ends up winning an Oscar or a Grammy or, you know, what have you. But the majority of the time, it's popularity, it's people campaigning, it's politics. You know, we all know there's a huge gay agenda, you know, out here. So, I mean, if you really, if you, like, I follow the, the Oscars. Like, I watch them every year. I, I, I'm a movie buff. I watch these films. I'm familiar with these films. So if you look at the movies that historically have won Best Picture, um, they are movies that have to do with something that is whatever it's whatever is popular in that moment. You know, whether right now we're in the midst of this whole big race, this race thing. So, you know, it's not a coincidence that this year, as opposed to previous years, the Oscars have had, the Oscars, the Grammys, have been very heavily, you know, minority-driven. You know, look, I mean, just look, I mean, it's too many names, so many, you know, I mean, whether it's Viola Davis, uh, you know, even I mean, even the nominees. There were tons of black nominees, tons of uh, several um, black Oscar winners, and so you know, they gave the best picture to Moonlight. And we really have to look at and understand, like, wow, what, first of all, what were these roles? You know, one of the things I put on Facebook uh, last week, I said, you know, if you're black, right, and you're you're black and you want to win an Oscar, I said, just go ahead and be a corrupt cop a murderer, a thug, a drug dealer, a whore, a crackhead, you know, and don't forget to use the word nigger about a hundred times throughout the film. 
And there you go. There's your Oscar. So people may say, well, you know, what do you mean by that? And I, and I posted a picture. I said it was interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't seen Moonlight. I'll be honest. I think I even talked about it a few weeks ago. It was the last time I was live. I said, you know, I had absolutely no desire to see the movie Moonlight just because I, I had, I just didn't need, I didn't feel like I needed to see or want to see a young, a story about a young boy struggling with his sexuality, you know, homosexuality. I just didn't want to see that. And I certainly didn't want to see it win a whole bunch of awards because co-signed their agenda, co-signed what they're trying to do. It's like, you know, you want to make a movie about, you know, a young, a feminine black guy, you know, a, a kid who struggles with homosexuality. It's like, okay, that's, so they reward that. Okay, you want to make a film about a corrupt cop. Okay, we'll reward that. You know, here's a Naomi Harris wants to play a, uh, you know, a crackhead, a drug addicted mom, you know, not a good example of a parent. Okay, we'll reward that with an Oscar nomination. You know, uh, Mahershala Ali, he won Best Supporting Actor, which, which I got to be honest with you. I, I, and again, I've followed the Oscars literally my entire life. I got to say, that's literally one of, and mostly, it's sad that most people won't even understand this. They just don't understand the way that this stuff works. But that's one of the, I mean, it's to be expected because that's how they do it, but it's, it's really a travesty. It's really ridiculous. I mean, first of all, if you understand movies, if you saw the movie, Mahershala Ali was, first of all, he played a, a thug, a drug dealer. You know, he played a, it, it, you know, just a thug. He used nigga about, he was only in the movie about 10 minutes. He used the word nigga about 100 times in 10 minutes. Um, Aside from that, though, and I and I saw the film like I didn't even know he was a drug dealer from the way the from the from the previews. They don't, you know what I mean? They, you show him in the, in the water with the dude. You're like, oh wow, that's his father. Like you know, loving father. Like, I'm like, nah, this dude's a freaking a thug. You know, he's like the the plug. You know what I mean? The the drug connect for these for these young dudes. You know, and so I'm like, okay, that's crazy. So I actually watch. I'm like, wow. But aside from that, this dude isn't even in the movie. I mean, yes, it's, it's the best supporting actor. But when I think of a supporting, and I was talking to my parents about this, when I think of a supporting actor, a great performance by a supporting actor, I think of someone like Denzel Washington in Glory. Now, you know what I mean? Like, he's not, yes, he, he's in the movie. He does a great performance in the movie, but in a supporting role. He's not the main character, Denzel Washington is not the main character of glory, right? But he, but he did give a – he was in the film, the whole movie, but he was in a supporting role. That's my definition of a great supporting actor. Mahersha Ali was in the movie, of, I mean, less than a quarter of the film. If you saw, I mean, so I, I don't know. I mean, aside from the fact that I didn't believe in anything special, I mean, it wasn't a bad performance, but it certainly wasn't, in my opinion, an Oscar-worthy performance. And again, I, I'm very familiar. I'm probably more familiar with the Oscars and the nominations and the history than most people you ever meet. So I'm telling you, like, you know what I mean? It's, it was not a Oscar-worthy performance. That's not me hating on him, but it just wasn't. And, I, and anyone who disagrees with that. I would encourage you to, to watch it. You know, really watch the film. And there's, I don't think there's anyone who actually watched that film and is familiar with other great supporting roles would say, wow, I think he deserved that Oscar for that. It was over 
You know what I mean? You think back of all the other people who've given great supporting roles and then when Oscars, you're only forced to draw one conclusion. It's like, okay, he got that because, one, it's about a movie regarding, you know, the emasculation of black men, the feminization of black men, you know, and he actually plays a thug and a drug dealer, similar to how Denzel Washington can't win. He can't win for fences. He can't win for Malcolm X. He can't win for Hurricane, uh, the Hurricane, right? But they'll give it to him for training day. They'll give it to Mahershala Ali for being a drug dealer. You got a drug dealer and a corrupt cop. The last two black men to win Oscars, a corrupt cop and a drug dealer. You know what I mean? It's crazy, but yeah, if you don't, and anyone who doesn't see the the craziness of that, like I don't, I don't know what to say. Um, and even if you look at the scene, it's funny. Most ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people will not see this and draw this connection. But I was just watching it. It was amazing. I watched it last year. I did a whole show. Go back and listen to my Oscar special from last year when uh, Chris Rock was hosting, and I commented back then on the buffoonery of it. I, you know, and Chris Rock did this um, did this whole segment on you know going around interviewing people, and the majority of the people that he interviewed last year were you know were black folk, just basically acting stupid, you know, acting very stupid, very buffoonish. And he, you know, he was just make you know interviewing them, but, but making a joke out of it. And I was like, okay, that's basically what's going on here. They're, they're doing the whole buffoonery and coonery uh, to entertain the you know the white folk, you know, and that's what they do. And I said, wow, you know what? That, that's that's whatever. I mean, I'm used to it. But then fast forward to this year, they basically go ahead and do the same thing with Jimmy Kimmel interviewing these buffoonish and coonish black folk acting stupid and saying, but this time he brought them up on the stage. And I posted on on uh, Facebook and Instagram, different year, same foolishness. And I think at some point, we just as the people have to realize that we're, we're better than buffoonery. We are better than, you know, um, that slapstick type of humor. Um, we are better than having roles of, homosexuals, uh, you know, drug dealers, thugs, gangbangers, corrupt cops. Like, we're better than that. And I think that we need to demand that not only how – because they, they will make those films, but they will not reward those films, you know, in many cases. So I think we got to just, um, you know, we got to put some pressure on them. I was watching Wendy Williams, though. And I was happy to see that uh, Anika Noni Rose on there, uh, I think one day last week, and uh, she was talking about how she's actually a, she's on the academy, on the board. You know, she's one of the voters. So, you know, and it's good to have people like that. I think they said uh, Denzel Washington is on there. Angela Bassett is on there. So, you know, but I mean, it's good. But (laughs) at the end of the day, they're going to do what they want to do based on their particular agenda. So. Um, that's what I thought about that. I mean, like I said, Moonlight, I saw it, okay film. I mean, was that a, a, a best picture film to me? I mean, do I, did, did that film need to make, you know, all that money? I mean, I'm, I don't care about the money side, but you're telling me that was the best movie out of all the movies that were made in 2016? 
I, I find that to be amazing. I really, I mean, I really find that to be amazing and, and, and ridiculous. There's no way in hell Moonlight was better, was the best film of, of the year. Not, nothing at all. Nothing about it. You know what I mean? It, it, it was crazy. Um, and it's, it's one of the most craziest things I've seen associated with the Oscars because, like I said, I watched it. And I'm just watching, like, please can someone tell me what was so great about it? I mean, was it the, the standout acting performances? Because here's the thing. Watch this. Watch this. Normally when you have a best uh, a best picture film, you, you usually have a best director nomination. You usually have a, a best actor nomination, a best actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. It's usually going to win you know, several, you know, other awards. And, I mean, like I said, there was no lead performance driving this film that was super great. Like I said, Mahershala Ali, he was in the film less than 10 minutes. So it's like, what exactly? It didn't win Best Director. So, I mean, what exactly was so great about it? But, you know, it is what it is. That's just my thoughts on it. I'll let you guys be the, uh, be the judge of that. Um, what else is going on in the world? You know, what, what, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of, uh, right now, attention being placed on, um, like I talked about, this travel ban. You know, I have talked about the travel ban. I mean, do I think that a lot of people call it a Muslim ban? It's not a Muslim ban, guys. It's not a Muslim ban. Um, it is a travel ban for, for 90 days um, that, that targets specific countries, people traveling from specific countries, where there's a high, um, you know, a high rate of terrorist activity. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of the protests were coming from people, regarding people who were affected by this ban, who were actually American citizens or, you know, had an actual green card. And that was a major piece of it that I had a problem with. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Okay, fine. You want to just watch certain things. You want to be careful. I, you know, I have no problem with it. You know what I mean? Especially if we're talking about areas where the, the actual, it's extremely hard to vet, um, you know, people coming from certain places. And we don't we want to be careful about who we do allow in this country. But at the same time, when people are actual citizens and they have no history, you know what I mean? They had actual, actual ties here and, and actual green cards. And at that point, you really can't just, that's when it becomes discrimination saying, wait a minute, you know, yeah, you you live here. Yeah, you have a green card, but you know you went to this place, so you must be a terrorist. I don't agree with that, and I've spoken out about that. Um, so it looks like this new travel ban that was put in place, uh, you know, earlier this week will, will eliminate uh, people being affected who are American citizens who do have green cards, and so far I haven't heard anything uh, to the contrary. So we'll see how that uh, how that plays out. But one of the things I, I wanted to say about that, though, you know, and it's funny. You got Christians, and you got people in general, but specifically Christians who are protesting and marching and making these signs. And I said, wow, you know, that's that's interesting. But they're not saying a word about clear and blatant attacks on Christianity and Christians. 
So there are places in the world where Christians are being beheaded. You know, there are, you got even this whole transgender movement, the gay marriage movement. I mean, I remember a time when people would actually protest based on their beliefs. I mean, God forbid, like, forget, who cared? Not, it was, it was not about what the law said. You know what I mean? It wasn't about what was sexy, what was popular at that time. You know, like right now, gay marriage is, is popular because Barack Obama is popular and because he made it, you know, acceptable, right? And so that's why a lot of people are kind of on board with that. You know, regardless of what their their spiritual beliefs are, regardless of, you know, how they particularly, you know, how they were raised. But they, you know what I mean? I remember a time when people would actually protest on their beliefs, period didn't matter what social media was saying. It didn't matter what their friends thought. But it's like, look, if I'm a Christian and there's a law or a proposed law that goes against my personal beliefs, I'm going to speak out against that, period. We don't do that anymore. You know what I mean? People do not do that. People protest and are passionate about what the media and the government says we should be passionate about. Right now, you know, everyone's talking about this whole police brutality thing. Actually, people aren't now, but they were during election time, which is a whole other topic in and of itself. But people, that's what, that was the hot topic then. You know, gay marriage was, you know, it was election time. Everything's a hot topic during election time. And, but, yeah, it's like people don't do that. Christians, they won't say anything about this transgender bathroom thing, gay marriage. They'll just sit back. But when it comes to Muslims, it's like, what the heck? It's amazing. You know, one of the things that I said online is that um, I look on social media. I said it's amazing. It's amazing how people actually watch the mainstream media news and think that they're reporting from an objective and unbiased perspective. I said the reality is that these networks are driven by corporate billionaire slash government influence ratings advertising dollars, and I said they will, they will do and say anything and everything to be number one, gave the hashtag, you know, fake news. And it's, it's really interesting to me to see how many people take fake news and follow it as if it's real news. Like, for example, you know, I remember growing up, you know, the, the news was actually the news. You know what I mean? Like the news actually, like the, the the news reporters, the anchors actually reported the news. You know what I mean? Like they just, that's just what it was. It wasn't a whole bunch of subjective subjectivity. You know, it was just like, look, this is what's going on. Whether it was true or not, but it was, it was objective. Now, you know, I turn on the Today Show, I turn on, I mean, you know, any news, they're giving their opinions. They're, they're obviously biased. They're obviously reporting to push a particular agenda, even the wording of a lot of this stuff. Like even with the, the CIA thing, it's like, yeah, you know, uh, excuse me, the Donald Trump thing. They're like, yeah, uh, Donald Trump is accused, uh, President Barack, uh, you know, former President Barack Obama, of, of you know, uh, illegally tapping his phones. You know, with, and they'll be like, yeah, with, with no proof, without giving any proof whatsoever, Barack, uh, Donald Trump has accused Barack Obama. Of this. I'm just like... 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not report. Like, if you just want to let the people talk about that, let the information, you know what I mean, come out. But don't, this is the news reporting. Like, they're putting that spin on it to influence us and to shape our opinion of the, the story that they're reporting. We're not, you know, they're not supposed to do that. That's what you call ethical dishonesty. That took a lot of courses on that. You know, if you look at, I mean, the, the the reason people don't like Donald Trump is specifically because of the media's portrayal of Donald Trump. Okay, there's very few things that he's actually said. Now, I'm not even saying that that's the thing that that feeling is not warranted. You know what I mean? But I'm saying let the people decide. And it's sad that the media, you know, has so much power. And a lot of people say, well, you know, you oh, you like Donald Trump, but you, I said, listen. Me speaking out on certain issues isn't about me liking Donald Trump. It's about my utter disdain for the media and their tactics of, of, and biases. Okay, that's that's my person. I just I don't care about Donald Trump. I don't really care about, to be honest, politics at all. It's all fake. You know, I mean, it's one big show. You know, so my issue is the media and how they manipulate people. My, my issue is really with the people. That's why you see me debating and speaking. It's really with ignorant people who allow the media to shape their opinions. Addressing those individuals comes across as a defense of Trump, when in reality that's not, you know, that's really not what it is. So let's talk about uh, what else is going on. What's going on in the, uh, in the, in the entertainment world? You know, I talked about the Oscars a little bit. I talked about you know, some other things. But there's a lot of things that are going on with these celebrities that I find to be interesting. You know what I mean? Like I said, a little bit later, I want to talk about the spring fling, spring flings versus summer love and how to differentiate from the two um, and how to avoid one and get the other. Uh, but entertainment-wise, what's going on? I saw a picture, uh, first of all, during the Grammys, I spent a lot of time talking about uh, Kirk Franklin and, and him wearing this dress. You know, and we talk about the agenda. You know, we talk about what's going on out here as far as an agenda for our people, the emasculation of black men, the feminization of black men, corruption of the, of the church, you know, the, the, you know, the uh, idea that they have, the goal that they have of reducing the credibility of the church and people who are influential in the church. And there's really no one in gospel music that's been more influential than Kirk Franklin. And so when I look up and I tell him that one of the highest rated and, and, and highest seen you know, telecast, which is the Grammys, and I see Kirk Franklin performing on stage, you know, in, in a secular performance wearing a dress, you know, it all kind of makes sense, you know. And, I mean, it, it, how can you respect gospel music? How can you respect a, a quote-unquote man of God when he's wearing a dress and he's performing along an obviously worldly secular artist? You know, and, you know, you look back, you Google Kirk Franklin throwing up the 666 sign with his fingers. You Google Kirk Franklin wearing pink lipstick you know, wearing makeup, you know, his last album was called Losing My Religion, 
And I saw an interview where he's really telling people to turn away from the church and, you know, not be religious. Don't, you know what I mean? Just to be more spiritual. I mean, it's all foolishness. It's all foolishness. All, these are government informants. These are CIA operatives, you know, specifically put in place to push a particular agenda. And when you understand what that agenda is, it's not hard to look around and see, like, oh, okay, this person is used to push a particular agenda. Kanye West, Beyonce, Jay-Z, you know, and many other people. It's not just the black celebrity. It's, it's just entertainment as a whole. It's just that my audience <clears throat> is largely African-American, so I tend to focus more on the, the you know, the pieces, you know, that we can relate to, um, you know what I mean, from our from our community. But, yeah, it's, it's all... It's all related, you know, just different genres. All right, what else? Is, but, yeah, that's Kirk Franklin. Man. He's, a, he's a wild dude, you know. Got these guys wearing dresses out here, you know. I remember I met him. He came to my church a few years ago, and um, I just, it was weird. It was amazing. I just, I don't know. I never had felt this before, but I just got this extremely worldly spirit from him. can't really describe it but just a very sexual, a very lustful spirit from, from him. And maybe because it was, he was in the church, in the sanctuary, and I was just like, you know what, after that, man, I'm, I'm kinda, I was kind of done with him. And now, you know, you fast forward, you know, several years later, this is what you see from him. And it's really confirmation to everything that we, that we see that's going on. Uh, what else? Nick Cannon. You know, Nick Cannon is going through some stuff. Pray for your boy, Nick Cannon. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you guys heard, but he's no longer the the host of America's Got Talent. And one of the things that I found interesting about that was that, you know, if you don't know the story, they basically were saying that um, he performed, I think it was a Showtime special or some type of stand-up comedy special, and he was he was making fun, basically, of NBC and, you know, certain executives and just the whole the whole industry. And they, I guess they took offense to it, and they, they were saying that there was going to be some type of, you know, uh, you know punishment or something, you know, to, to basically punish him for what he said about NBC. And then he took that and to say, well, you know, I'm not going to be censored. I'm not going to allow NBC to, you know, to do that. I'm going to, he said, that doesn't, he was saying he, that doesn't define him. You know, what he does in stand-up doesn't define who he is, doesn't define his career. So he would rather just remove himself from that situation rather than allow them to censor him or dictate and control what types of things he does comedy about. And so now, you know, it's funny. You watch this stuff happen right before your eyes. He was on top of the world, but now you're hearing different things in the media saying Nick Cannon is crazy He's losing it. He's having a nervous breakdown. And that's why I said pray for him because, you know, I don't know if you guys understand. When you – I don't want to get too deep into it, but, like, when you take that oath, you know, to become a celebrity, to, you know, to, to, to live that lifestyle, you're going to be given a lot of things. But these things do not come for free. They come in a price. So when you take that oath to agree to be a part of this this secret society, this – this industry, and they're oh, and please believe there is an oath, there is there is an initiation. That's very, it's you know, it's very obvious to be seen if you know what to look for. So when you do that, when you take that oath, 
you basically agree to go along with the agenda. That's why you see these celebrities throwing up these symbols to indicate that they are down for the agenda. Now, look at these talk shows. Look at the first five minutes of any celebrity on any talk show and just watch their hands. That's all I'm going to say. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Any celebrity on any talk show, watch their hands in the first five minutes of that particular interview, whether it's Jimmy Kimmel, you know, whether it's The Tonight Show, whether it's Wendy Williams, any talk show, in the first few minutes, watch their hands, and you will be amazed. And let me know. Inbox me. Post in the Friends of the Data on Oh, snap. They know I saw. I see what you're talking about. Again, any celebrity on any talk show, watch their hands in the first few minutes, and you'll be amazed. Right? But, yeah, and so when you go against that, you know, you're doing these symbols to let people know you are down with the agenda. But when you go against the agenda, like Kanye West has, like, you know, I mean, tons of other people have, DMX, you know, um, you know, Nick Cannon, Michael Jackson, Bill Cosby, when you do these things, you know, and you do these things that obviously take you out of favor with, you know, those controlling the industry, it's not hard to understand why you, the Cat Williams, why you eventually see them, you know, having a hard time in the media. And so that's why I say pray for Nick Cannon because, you know, he it's, it appears like he's going down that path like many, you know, many celebrities do. Chris Brown, you know, another good indication of that is, on, on a number of occasions, spoken out against the media, spoken out against the in- industry. A lot of people say, well, you know, they die. how come you can speak out against the industry? Well, it's because I haven't taken any oaths. I'm not a celebrity. You know what I mean? I haven't, you see what I'm saying? That's how it goes. But, when you, but let, but let, watch this, but let, you know, some of these other people, right, in the industry say the exact same things that you hear me say. Oh, they'll probably turn up dead. That's when you. That's when they get the car accident. That's when they get the drug overdose. But and and if you think about it, that's a major reason why you'll never hear anybody in the industry saying the things that I'm saying. If you think about it, you'll never hear you know a talk show host speak about the things that I speak. But why? Because they've already taken an oath not to speak about those things. That's how it goes. What else is going on in the media? Entertainment news. Everyone's oh, Nicki Minaj. Everyone and you very you don't hear me talk about her a lot. I really because you know I just don't care. You know, like for me, Nicki Minaj, it it should be like you hear me talk about people like Beyonce or Obama a lot more than you hear me talk about Nicki Minaj because Beyonce is is great. Beyonce Barack Obama is great at duality, double mindedness. They're very good at being one way and having a particular agenda, but making people believe that agenda is something else, right? Whereas Nicki Minaj, it's like she doesn't really try to hide it. It's like, look, my name is Nicki Minaj, right? You know, this is how I dress. This is what I make music about. And it is what it is. So it's for me, it's not a lot to talk about. My goal is to help people understand in the world what's really going on. And for me, it's like, okay, you already know what's going on. So that's why I say you don't often hear me discuss her, except when you see her in songs like, you know, uh, Flawless or whatever with people like Beyonce. 
where people have a little bit more harder of a time seeing what's really going on. Uh, but yeah, every, you know, she's been in the news lately for this uh, this ongoing beef with Remy Ma. Now, you know, I, I really don't care too much about it, but um, you know, it's it's interesting. A lot of people are talking about it. You guys have been living under a rock. You you know, you may not have heard about the uh, Remy Ma's diss Sheether, which you know, from a hip hop standpoint, was was good. You know, it was it was. She said a lot of personal things, a lot of attacks on Nicki Minaj, and she basically destroyed her lyrically. Nicki Minaj has responded with three different songs uh, that she's put out. Uh, where she addresses many of the claims of, of Remy Ma, and you know it's, they're all basically garbage. So, I mean, I really don't have a lot to say about uh, the Nicki Minaj and Remy Ma beef, other than it was a, it's it's a very entertaining, uh, you know, entertaining uh, piece or entertaining development from a hip hop standpoint. If you're a hip hop uh, lover, but yeah, what else is going on? Um, T.I. You know, I mentioned T.I. and and Tiny uh, a few weeks ago when I was discussing the uh, their their divorce and um, Tiny's uh, you know dealings with Floyd Mayweather and an interesting development in that I heard I don't know how true this is but I heard that T.I. is now dating uh, model and uh, you know Instagram model Bernice Burgos who. Um, is is a very popular amongst the fellas, you know, and the fellas know. I mean, just that she's a very attractive woman. Um, in most barbershops, she's most on. The, she's like number one on that quote unquote celebrity number one list that a lot of guys have. So um, it's interesting to hear that Ti and Bernice are dating, if that is in fact true. Bernice Burgos was actually uh, dating Drake back in the day, if anyone cares. So uh, what else is going on in entertainment news? One of the things that I found interesting, uh, my wife and I, we, we watch uh, Love & Hip Hop. And, you know, over the years you've heard me, they've been on for a while, at least six or seven seasons. Um, just about every year you hear me do a, a special on Love & Hip Hop. And not just, you know, a special discussing it from a glorification standpoint of it, but for me, Love and Hip Hop, and I've said this before, but for newer people, Love and Hip Hop is a a good representation, and it it really has been of of the ups and downs and the struggles that many people in our community have in regards to dating and relationships. I mean, whether it's you know Stevie J, Peter Guns, Lil Scrappy, you know Kirk Frost. I mean, think about it. I mean, I, and I do relationship counseling, so. Obviously, I've seen tons of those real-life situations. Now, their situations are probably fake and definitely scripted, but I actually see those situations play out daily. I think yesterday I did, you know, well, I'll say what, last Friday, I did like five or six sessions. So I, I speak to women on a daily basis who can absolutely relate to these situations. So a lot of people say, oh, it's fake and this and that. And why do you watch that? Well, I watch it because... I like to give you guys, you know, advice, but give you actual people that you can literally turn on the TV and see, like, wow, this is what they're going through. 
You know what I mean? This is what now, you know, so don't worry about whether it's fake or not, but what's going on in your life? Can you look at, can, can, what can we do to help you avoid being the next uh, Tammy and, and having a, a, you know, a husband like Waka Flocka, you know, or, or is your baby dad like Stevie J? Are you currently dealing with someone like Peter Guns? This is how to avoid being, what's the name? What's the name? Amina. Amina, what's the name? Amina Butterfly. You know, or are you the Tara in the equation? I know women who can relate to both. You know, well, so a lot of people listening to me, but oh, no, I can't relate to that. But okay, you may think that's what's up. God bless you. But a lot of people can relate. Right, so that's that's why you may hear me speak about love and hip hop. Whereas other people may be like, "Oh, why are you, you know, talking about it?" Because it's important. You know what I'm saying? One of the things that I found to be crazy is I'm watching it, and everyone's talking about this dude, Kirk Frost. Now this dude has been married to what's the name, Rashida, for what 17 years they said, and he <laughs> this is a wild dude. He went out and had a baby. With uh, with the, with the chick, the, the she used to be a stripper. Now, and this is actually a good segue to to get into to lead into the how to avoid the spring flames, and actually have summer love. Kirk Frost is someone that a lot of women can, can will gravitate towards. He's successful, you know, handsome has money, drives nice cars, motorcycles, has a way with words. And, you know, Rashida got caught up in that. She married him. But if you watch the show and you know a little bit about their history, they have he has an extensive history of cheating, of, you know, inappropriate behavior, whether it was getting you know, secret apartments or, you know, doing different things. He has an extensive history with doing these things. And she stayed with him. So I think one of the things that's important to do first for women is to recognize your worth. You know, because when you recognize your worth, there aren't going to be a million different examples of infidelity, a million different things that someone does that are not cool. You're going to know your worth and say, you know what? First of all, I'm not, I'm going to look out for the warning signs. I'm going to look out for the red flags. To, so that I don't even have to deal with those types of situations, let alone get, have the situations happen to you in, on a repeated basis. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, that's a, that's a crazy dude. I was telling my wife that he, he needs to be inducted and initiated into uh, into the creep squad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Either, you know, something. What else is going on out here, man? Uh, oh, that's what I want to tell you all about. See, going back to the movies, you know, in good movies, I got a chance to watch uh, Burning Sands on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, I watched uh, Burning Sands. And for those of you who are unfamiliar um, with the film, Burning Sands is a movie, I believe, directed or produced by Reginald Hudlin. And it centers around the the pledging process of you know, several individuals in college and they are trying to get into a fraternity. And when you think, it's interesting, when you hear sorority, when you hear fraternity, most people immediately think of hazing. 
You know, you don't think of the service. You don't think of the rich, long history. You don't think of the brotherhood or the sisterhood. You literally think of one thing, which I've always found to be interesting because, you know, I'm 40 years. I pledged a fraternity in 1999, you know, and the process was a few weeks, not a few weeks, but seven weeks to be exact, and seven weeks, six days. And that was a peak. That was in 1999. Now, for those of you who know me, you maybe follow me on social media, you know I'm still very active in my fraternity. Um, I I do a lot of community service. I do a lot of charity. You know, we do a lot of charity, but, you know, you see it, you know. And so no one asks me or no one associates pledging or hazing with me at almost 40 years old. If you think of fraternity and you think of me, you think of, you see all the things that I'm doing now. And so I just find it interesting. Most, In fact, most of the adults that you know who are in fraternities or sororities, anytime you see them associated with their, their organization, it's regarding service. You're not thinking about, oh, what did you do 20 years ago? What was your pledging or hazing process 30 years ago? You know, no, it's like, it's welfare. So, and, and so that's, you got to look at it from that perspective. You know, a lot of adults, they tend to focus on, or I should say adults who aren't Greek, they focus on things that, for what, they, for what most Greeks, is not what defines them or defines their involvement in that particular organization. And one of the things that I found about that, that movie, I thought it was great. And to be quite honest with you, I would have liked to see that movie win for Best Picture over Moonlight. Do I think that uh, Burning Sands was an Oscar-worthy film for Best Picture? No, I'm not going to say that, but I'm saying Burning Sands was a million times better than Moonlight. It's a much better film, a much more realistic film, a much more, just a better film in every way possible. You know what I mean? So, but no, so Burning Sands, it's centered around, and it was very relatable to me. You saw a lot of, and it, it was a great movie, but not a great movie because of the the things that happened in the film were great. It was a bad film, or excuse me, it was a bad. There were bad things that happened in this film. It's kind of like you can look back and say, "Wow, Minister Society was a great film," or "Boys in the Hood was a great film." But those films were about people who were drug dealers. Those films were about people who were in gangs, you know, gang, you know gangster rap, you know, what I mean, murdering, killing. Does that mean they weren't great films? You look at war films. You know, okay, that was a great film, Saving Private Ryan or whatever. Okay, that was a great film. But the the content didn't have to be great to make it a great film. It was just a real film. It was a very realistic depiction of of whatever that particular subject matter is. And to me, Burning Sands, there haven't been a lot of films that centered around Greek life, but for me, Burning Sands was one of the realest movies that I've ever seen. If you don't know, and obviously there are things that were more extreme that I experienced and many others experienced, in fact, 10 times more extreme. And then there was certain things in the film that were, I think, over-exaggerated. But I'm saying overall, if you equal everything out, it was absolutely, like if you had a question, you know, like, wow, you know what, I wonder what's the worst part or some of the worst parts of hazing that was a good representation of the worst parts of it. 
Now, that being said, and I've done shows in the past, in several years actually, but I've done shows in the past where I actually went into great detail on Greek life, returning life. In fact, Google that, and you know, you can pull up the archives. Uh, but I want people to understand that pledging and hazing are two different things. In many pledge processes, is there hazing that goes on? Yes. But pledging is overall, please understand, is what I say was, because really pledging of any kind at this point is illegal. There's no organization, Greek, black Greek organization, that openly and actively pledges anymore. It's, it's now membership intake, in case you're one. So there is no pledging, there is no hazing. It's all illegal. But when there was pledging, there was often hazing. But that did not change the fact that the pledging piece of it is designed or was designed to be positive. It was designed to build you up mentally, physically, and even emotionally, and to develop a significant bond with your line brothers or sisters. What a lot of people don't understand is that goes back to rites of passages from African tribes. You understand that? That's just stuff that, that actually happens to this day. So there's nothing negative about pledging. Pledging is just a different, you know, you know, African tribes over Kenya, Ghana, tons of, I mean, that's what we used to do. You know what I mean? Ancient civilizations, there were rites of passages, you know, that people went through that took you from a place of being a boy to being a man. So there's nothing absolutely, there's nothing negative about, in fact, if you look at our roots, look at, I don't know if you guys saw the remake of Roots, even the original Roots. There was a good end, there were, that, that was pledging. These were rites of passage ceremonies, which is really, really what pledging is getting into a Greek organization. And it's so, and, you know, certain things, there will be certain pieces of it that are not for everybody, you know, and, and are exclusive to membership of that particular organization. But overall, I'm just giving you a brief synopsis of overall, it, it, it is a, it's designed to be a positive thing. There are very few people who are active in their fraternity or sorority who will tell you that they regret their pledging experience. I'm one of those people. You'll never, I, I, I look back at my my experience as positive. You see what I'm saying? Most people you know, sigmas, kappas, Qs, AKs, whatever, they look back on those processes, and I'm sure many of them were hazed, but they see the the, the place that it got them to. They see the positivity that they took out of that process, and they look back at it, back on it, at with fond memories. And I'm so the film Burning Sands. Um, and I don't want to spoil the film for anyone who may not have seen it. I'm just saying, like, if you're on the fence and not sure if you want to see it, I'd watch it. Like, if you just want to see the raw and uncut, you know, like what how it can go down, like the whether it's the the taking strokes with the paddle, whether it's stuff that goes on behind closed doors, um, you know, doing the greetings for the big brothers, um, even just how the, the the pledges interact with young females. Like, obviously, you saw, like, you know, they had the young woman where the guys had sex with her. I'm not saying that that's a particular part of all pledging processes, but it's real. Like, stuff like that goes on. You know, in fact, if you listen to this show, if you've been listening to this show historically, you've heard me talk a lot about the stories that go on in college. And the reality is a lot of women in college find themselves in the same position as that young woman 
who agreed to sleep with all of the that whole pledge line. You know what I mean? She was down with that. And the reality is there are freaks out there. There are hoes out there who will do that type of stuff and who now, even though they've changed their life as adults, they're still dealing with the spiritual, emotional, and even physical ramifications of some of those decisions in college. Who knows, maybe that young woman in, in Burning Sands grew up to get married or, or, or is having a hard time dating right now, you know, or, or who knows. But that's – so hopefully I try, I try to use these types of movies and shows, you know, as a point of reference so that maybe someone can relate. Everyone can't relate to what she did in that movie, but trust and believe some people can. There's a lot of women out there who've gotten trains ran on. There's a lot of women who out there who've slept with 20, 30, 40 men, multiple men in a night. That's, that's happened. And I don't judge those women, but I do say to those women, it's never too late to change. So, you know, like I said, so, so ch- check out the movie. Um, it was an excellent film. I cannot say enough. The actor, I forget his name, but the the main character, excellent job. Just gave a, you know, an excellent portrayal of of someone who is online, someone who's pledging, you know, someone who is conflicted. Even Even the internal conflict that he faced, as far as, you know, whether to continue with the process, whether to drop, you know, and just that whole process. I've never seen a film that that more accurately illustrated, you know, the mental and physical effects of, of pledging a fraternity. So that's just my thoughts on it. And, it, you know, and like I said, it was a really good movie. Moonlight, not such a good movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. What else? I, I shouldn't say it. Let me let me not say that. Moonlight was not a bad movie. I don't want to. Say, I don't want anyone to think that it was a bad movie. Moonlight was not a bad movie. I just have a bad taste in my mouth regarding the way it was used to push a particular agenda. The way it was put on a pedestal to push a particular agenda. That's what I don't like. You know, if you want to make a movie about a guy struggling with his, his sexuality, fine. That's fine. Make the movie, but please don't call it the best movie of the year. Please don't say, okay, this guy who plays a drug dealer, you know, deserves the best supporting actor, you know, to be immortalized in history as one of only a few black men who've taken home a best supporting actor trophy. That makes a mockery of all the tons and tons and tons of truly great best supporting actors uh, and even best picture winners, you know? So, I mean, think about it. Moonlight won best, best picture. The Boys in the Hood didn't win Best Picture. Malcolm X wasn't even nominated for Best Picture. That's all that you could just, that's the end of the conversation right there. How does Moonlight have an Oscar, but, but Malcolm X doesn't have an Oscar? That's crazy to me. I mean, for all that, if you're going to give an Oscar to Mahershala Ali, get an Oscar to uh, Brother Baines. Get, a, get an Oscar to the, the guy who played uh, Honorable uh, Elijah Muhammad. I mean, if you if you just giving Oscars away, I mean, think about how many great performances can you think of that weren't even nominated for, for anything? It's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But whatever. So I want to take the last few minutes, like I said, of the show to, um, to talk a little bit about how to avoid being in, caught up and engaged in a spring fling 
right? A sexual fling, a sexual situation, you know, and actually find and be found by summer love. You know, there's nothing better than falling in love in the summertime. You know, falling in love in the summer, you know, getting to know someone, you know, recognizing that that's the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. But the reality is there are there are ways that you, that have to be that that has to be gone about. There are things that have to be done. You know, one of the things I said online, you got this song. Uh, what's this song out there? The Migos. Migos. Bad and bougie. Like what? Like what the heck? Bad and bougie. You know, I did a show a few years ago on um, uh, what was it called? Bad bitches. That was the, you know, the, the the hot term at that time. I'm, yeah, I'm a bad bitch. So I did a show on that. I'm just talking about the difference between a, a beautiful woman, you know, and a and a bad bitch. And so now we've we've gone full circle. And now the hot term is, bad and bougie. And if you really, I mean, it, it's interesting, because again, there are people. Behind, you ever see the Wizard of Oz? You know, at the end they thought it was like this big guy, you know, this big, you know, God, you know, someone who was all powerful, all knowing, but it was really just this person sitting around pulling the strings. And the reality is, there are people like that pulling the strings for everything: the entertainment world, the political world, music, and and, and unfortunately, they determine what songs, what artists, what movements become popular. And this is, a, this is one of them. It's people who control radio. How do you get your radio, your, your song played millions and millions and millions of times, you know, countless times per day? How do you do that? Well, it's, it's someone who decides that, that this song is going to be a hit and we're going to flood the market with it. Bad and Bougie is one of those songs, but, but, but why? Right? What's the reason for that? Well, the reason is because it, 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 it does what they want it to do, just like Beyonce does what they want her to do. Jay-Z, Kanye West, they do what they want done. Bad and Bougie is responsible for, it's not responsible for, but it illustrates the dissolution of black family. You know, it perpetuates negative stereotypes of both black men and black women, you know, and, and but more, most importantly, it, it gives black women a blueprint on how not to be, or excuse me, well, really how to be if you don't want to be taken seriously by a truly great man, bad and blue. What do you guys always hear me say truly great men of God are looking for in a wife? Where I was at, a great personality, a high level of respectability, Right and 100% emotional availability. So that's what that's what we want. That's the type of woman that's going to get a ring on her finger. So if that's the type of woman that we want, at what point do you have time to be bad and bougie? Where where does that fit into a great personality? If you're bad, that means you're not good, and that means you're certainly not great. So that already describes you're bad. You're a bad girl. Usher came out with a song, remember that bad girl? I want a bad girl. Like he was put in a position 
to push that agenda. What did Rihanna come up? What did she call herself? A good girl going bad. That was the name of her album. Look at any of her songs that she comes out with. They all are bad. You know what I'm saying? It's something to do with that. What's Wale have a song out? I want to, what do you say? Uh, I bad. Y'all know that song. I forget the freaking uh, the hook, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Look at Wale's song. Bad. It's all the same agenda. It's encouraging. And that's why white folk don't do, they don't do that. Taylor Swift can make a song about love. Selena Gomez can make a song about love. You know what I mean? Uh, Ariana Grande can make a song about love. When you're in the pop world and you deal with white folks, they love love. They love the idea of love. It's okay for them to make actual good music about love. But when you're in the black market, when you're, you're seeing the black folks, you got to be bad. You got to be a hoe. You got to be bad and bougie. You got to be a bad bitch. You got to see how that goes? If you're, you know what I'm saying? If you're, if you're black. But if you're white, you can be good. It's, it's all subliminal. It's all, you know what I mean? They're brainwashing us. And so bad and bougie, if you're, if you're bad, you're obviously not going to be viewed as good. You're certainly not going to be viewed as great. But if you're bougie, that's what a lot of women really need to focus. Remember independence? That's another one. I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D, you know, that whole thing. Then you got Neo, Miss Independent, right? That's, it's all doing the same thing. Independent woman. What? Yo. Look at the the trend. Bad and bougie, independent this, bad that. They're creating a blueprint that will 100% prevent black women from ever having love. They make these songs, and then they make these songs hits. They make these songs popular. And as they gain popularity, black women not only, you know, listen to them, but they download them as their ringtone. They put them on their iPods. They listen to this music at work. Next thing you know, it just gets into their spirit. That's how they are. These black women are bad and bougie. These black women have an independent mentality. They just have a bad way of thinking. They look at themselves as bad bitches. They call each other bitches. And the next thing you know, black men are turning to white women. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to marry you know, these, these women, and nobody can figure out why, what's going on. Right? But it's all because of what you put into your spirit. You know, I think it's interesting because you, you, you have to be great. Now, you can't just be, you, can't, you certainly can't be bad. We don't even want the good women. We want the truly great women of the world, the virtuous women of the world. And when you have those qualities, then that's when you're chosen. You, you see how that goes? Now, so I said, we need, I said, society, that's what I said online. I said, society needs fewer women trying to be bad and bougie and more women striving to be godly and virtuous. You know, and it's really not that hard. I think, you know, if you really do that, then that will be the, the catalyst to you finding love, you know, or I should say being found, you know, by love. Over in the Friends of the Data on Talbert Show group, we often have discussions, you know, on a regular basis on different topics. One of the topics was, are you afraid to fall in love? And it was an interesting conversation because a lot of, I don't have it up in front of me right now, but a lot of great responses. Some of them were saying, you know, no, I'm looking forward to it. Other women were saying, well, yes, I'm afraid, or no, I don't, I just don't want love. I don't want to be married. 
No, other one was saying, well, uh, well, I would, I'm afraid of being hurt. That was a common theme for a lot of the uh, the young women, is that they were afraid of being hurt or afraid of having their hearts broken. And I want people to understand that that epitomizes. I mean, it's it's not a it doesn't make you a bad person if you're afraid of being hurt. Okay, it doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it does mean that you are emotionally unavailable to have love. Because what happens is when you are have a fear, a fear of anything, of an injury, you have a fear, you're going to do what you need to do to protect yourself. You know, if you have a, a hamstring injury, you're probably going to wear a, a, a you know a brace on your on your, over your hamstring. You have an ankle injury. Injury, you wear a brace, you know, a little ankle brace. You know, your teeth are jacked up, you're going to wear braces. Any injury you have, any issue that you have, you're going to try to protect it, right? So if your heart if your heart is hurting, you're going to protect your heart. You're going to put a wall up. You're going to put a guard around your heart. And there are a lot of women, many women, tons of women who are single, but they not just not only have been hurt in the past, but they are still dealing with the hurt. They they are still hurting. You know, they still have hurt, pain, resentment, animosity, anger towards a particular person or persons. And as a result, they now have a fear of being alone or a fear of being in love, fear of having their heart broken. So they protect themselves from it. They may like someone, right? They may date someone in a dating process that often leads to sex. But many women, they will guard their heart from having it go any further. So while the man may actually have genuine feelings, in many cases, the woman is keeping him at arm's length specifically because she doesn't want to be hurt. That doesn't mean that she's not sleeping with him. It doesn't mean that the soul tie that's been formed isn't getting deeper and, and stronger. The soul tie is forming. Soul ties, as you know, are not good. You know, soul ties are horrible. So that just perpetuates the emotional unavailability because now, now you have the situation where the man has already detached himself emotionally because it's become clear that the woman is, is, going, is hurting. She has his wall up. So it's like the man, he, he's already, he's just there for the sex at this point. Whereas the woman is saying, well, you got to work for this. You got to, yes, I have a wallet, but once I feel comfortable with you, once I'm confident that you won't hurt me, then I'll let my wallet down. But by that point, see what I feel, the, the disconnect is that we don't date women with a wall. There is, you see what I'm saying? Like there is no, once let me break down the wall to get to your, we don't, that's a common misconception. It's a myth. That's a Tyler Perry film. That's what they do in the movies. Lee Daniels, these homosexuals who, have, who know nothing about real love, they make these movies, these fairy tales. You know, no one is trying to break down your wall. If you, the key is to not have a wall up to begin with, and then you, you know what I mean, and then you get found by the man that God has for you. Once he recognizes the fact that, wow, you are emotionally available, you don't have a wall up. Yes, you've been hurt in the past, but you're no longer dealing with that hurt from the past. That's how that goes. So, yeah, less bad and bougie. You know what I mean? No independent women thinking, right? 
You know what I mean? And I mean, and not having a fear of, of of not having a fear. Period. Because remember, any type of fear is the opposite of faith. You see what I'm saying? So if you have faith, then you're not going to be afraid. And if you are afraid, then that means your faith is not really where it needs to be. Speaking of which, one of the things I said online, to you know, as one of those ten ways to avoid the summer or the spring fling and find summer love, is to spend more time. Uh, excuse me, spend less time complaining on social media and more time praying to God. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's funny. Some of y'all are crazy. Like some of y'all are like strangers, but then other people who I actually know, like some of y'all, y'all. You live your life on your timeline. Like, I know the timeline, that, what the Facebook status update says, what are you thinking right now? Like, I get it. You know what I mean? What's, what is it? What's on your mind? But you don't have to, you know, share everything, every guy you deal with, every guy that plays games or every situation you find yourself in. You don't have to report back, you know, to Facebook. I'm sick of his you know what I mean? Like, oh, he's if you if you just wanted sex, he could have just told. Like, yo, I see it all. I'd be like, yo, what the heck? You know what I mean? You could have just been a man and told me told me you wanted just to just to pussy. I'm like, hey, yo, you you kind of vulgar. You know what I mean? But that's that's how some people are so angry they take it straight to, to social media and then wonder why they're not, you know, being taken seriously by other men who sit back and see all of this stuff. You see how that goes? And so that's, you know, so, you know, I see so few Bible verses. I see so few scriptures and testimonies, but so many complaints about Donald Trump, so many complaints about these dudes, but, you know, posting pictures of food. And, I, you know, it's your page. You post what you want, but it's just like, Maybe at least one one post, couple posts could be something inspirational, maybe. You know what I mean? I don't know. That is not only will that let people know that God is a, an important part of your life, but it'll also actually help you get closer to God. You know, it doesn't matter what people think about it. I'm pretty sure some people get tired of me, you know, posting the scriptures first thing in the morning. You know, I've been doing that for you know, for a while, for many years now. Every morning you see a scripture. Throughout the day you see a different inspirational messages. People say, oh, I mean, people are like, wow. I mean, I don't really know what people say, to be quite honest with you. I, but then again, I really don't care because that's something that's important to me, and I know it's a blessing to God to, to do that. And so I literally, I, when I say I don't care, I literally don't care what anyone thinks about anything that I post, but certainly not Bible verses. You know what I mean? And so I think once you adopt that type of mentality, you'll start seeing a difference in the type of men that you uh, attract. What else? You know, again, how to avoid the spring flame? Well, I was I put up a post specifically about mothers uh, recently. I said great mothers don't allow themselves to be anyone's friend with benefits, jump off or booty call because they understand the negative effect that that type of behavior 
will have on their children and how they'll view relationships when they're older. And, you know, and that's, I mean, that's a really great way to, to start the process of having love. You know, you figure, you know, there's a lot of single moms out here. You know, I did a show many years ago on how to avoid, excuse me, how to go from being a single mom to a successful life. And, you know, if you are a single mother, the worst thing you could do is allow yourself to be someone's friend with benefits, someone's jump off, someone's Friday night freak, someone's booty call. You know, I mean, that's literally, I mean, for so many reasons, from a spiritual standpoint, from a personal standpoint for you, but like I said, also your children, they're going to see that behavior and it's just not going to be good. So that's literally the worst thing you could do. A lot of women say, well, I'm just dealing with him until I meet someone else. Why the heck do you think you could ever meet someone else who will take you seriously when you are literally sleeping with, with another man? You know, you might as well just go take a bath. And, and as a matter of fact, go into the woods and let a, let a skunk spray you. That's what, just do that, and that way you, and you'll walk around smelling like a skunk for the next several weeks. That is the equivalent of trying to date and but be sleeping with someone else, having a friend with benefits. It will, you will reek of emotional unavailability. A lot of women say, well, no, 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 no it's fine, Dana, because I don't, I don't tell them that. I never told them that I was sleeping with them. Well, I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you didn't tell them that you went into the woods for a camping trip and the skunk sprays you either, but guess what? They sure knew, didn't they? You can't hide that, ladies. And there's not a woman on the planet that the best female player, which is really another word for a hoe, the, 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 you cannot, she, can, she can't even hide the fact that she's sleeping around. Because the, the craziest thing is that's the number one thing that we look for. You know, it's the number one thing that we look for is the fact, is, are any signs of another person, another man. So just you know, so that's the first is be celibate. Keep your legs filled. I haven't said that in a while. Keep your legs filled. They stop letting these dudes smash. You know what I mean? You're better than being someone's jump off. You don't need to have a fling and you can't have a fling if you're looking you're looking for love. Another thing that I put online, which goes right along the lines of, you know, having summer, you know, finding a summer love is, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, I got to get this body right. You know, I got to, you know, this body, my ass got to look a certain way. My stomach got to be a certain way. You know, my boobs. One of the things I said online is, ladies, spend less time focusing on having a sexy body and more time on having, focusing on having a beautiful spirit. Now, I don't want people to misconstrue that and to think that that is somehow me saying that physical fitness is not important, you know, that's not it at all. But there are many women who do that, do those things for the wrong reasons. They're in the gym all crazy, not because they want to just be healthy, because they're, they think that that's going to bring them a man. They think that that increases the likelihood of them being found, and it doesn't. You know, they, they're showing off their, their ass, they're posting cleavage shots. They're they're showing off their belly button. You know they're doing different things to gain attention, to gain followers on Instagram, get likes. These are the things that actually decrease 
you're likely to decrease the interest that men will show in you. True, truly great men will show in you, and will, it will increase the amount of uh, men who target you for sex. If a man sees a fat ass, excuse my language, but the only thing he thinks about is sex, specifically sex from a doggy style position. That's what what we think when we see a, an ass. Uh, or, excuse me, when we see a woman flaunting her ass. That's the first thing that we think. But when we see a beautiful spirit, when we see a beautiful personality, we immediately think wife. Then, yeah, then, you know, everything else comes after that. Yeah, I still want to know what your personality is like. I mean, your your, your looks are like, your body's like. I still want to know all that. I'm not going to lie. We always want to know that. But it's not going to be the first thing. I'm not going to be taking sex first if what I first saw when I saw you was your spirit. So understand that. And also, I said, ladies, showing off your breasts doesn't make you sexy. I said that having the confidence, class, and self-respect not to, you know what I mean? That's what makes you beautiful. You know, think about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's so many beautiful women out here who are classy, not be, you know what I'm saying, not because of what they have under their clothes, but because they they don't need to show you what's under their clothes. Don't, don't y'all understand? There's nothing more beautiful, there's nothing more sexy than a woman with a great body who's not showing it off. I've said this before, but men, you, get, men, you know, we have great imaginations. There's, you don't have to show us your body, ladies, unless you're wearing a freaking snowsuit. You know what I mean? We're going to know what you're working with. You don't have to show us that. If you have a nice sweater, you know, a skirt, you know, that fits you, that classy manner, slacks, jeans, we're going to be able to see. You don't have to have the tights on. You don't have to have the, the cleavage showing for us to know that we're not stupid. You know, and a lot of women, they just don't understand that. They think they have to show us. They don't understand that showing us takes away from the appeal of you and your body. It takes away from it. It cheapens it. You know, just like certain cars, you don't have to put, you know, all these rims on. You don't have to put the tinted windows on. You don't have to put the bumper stickers. You don't have to do a whole lot of alterations to a Rolls Royce, to a Bentley. Other cars, yeah, you might want to hook it up. You might want to do different things. When you get a certain car on a certain level, you just drive it. You just let it be. You let it speak for itself. And that is what the truly beautiful and classy women of the world, you know, that's what they do. Speaking of which, I said online, ladies, truly beautiful and respectable women don't need to fish for compliments on Instagram and Facebook. So what do, you know, what do I see? I see, all right, so you got these women who are not only showing off their bodies, but you can't show off your body on Instagram without putting up one of these ridiculous quotes. And I can't stand these quotes. Who comes up with these Instagram quotes? Like, who is there like a book, like a, a handbook for quotes to show off your body? I mean, they just don't put anything. I'm like, yo, what are these quotes? Where do they come from? You know, like, so you, you got to sit back and think about them. Like, oh, man, I want to post this picture. Why not just post the picture? Why do you need one of these quotes? <laughs> you know what I mean? And the quotes don't even be making sense. You know, but the, a lot of times the quotes are put up there 
specifically to, to gain, to get a compliment. You know, what do y'all think, fellas, or night, night. Like, it would be like a nighttime picture of her and her freaking a negligee or nightgown. It's like night, night. Someone wished me good night. Like, come on. That's, that's called thirst. That's searching and fishing for a compliment or, for, or, or fishing to be targeted. You know what I mean? Many years ago, I said, fellas, and I said, fathers. That's what I, was, I said, fathers, please give your daughters attention as kids so they won't have to search for it at, you know what I mean, on social media as an adult. But it's getting crazy out here. You know, what else is going on? One of the things I said online, I said, ladies, never give a second chance to a man that was never meant to be in your life in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, and if you notice, that is another prevents a lot of these, a lot of men from taking women seriously. What happens is they have an ongoing history with an ex, with an with a, their child's father. It's like, okay, you had the, your child is five or six, but you've been dealing with the dude for the last ten years. Y'all broke up. You're, you know, he's still in your life. And it's just like, I'm not competing with that. You know what I mean, lady? Nobody is competing. No one is, and they're certainly not competing with your child's father. The only hope that you have as a single mother to have love, you know what I'm saying, is to is to cut off those ties or make it abundantly clear that there are clear boundaries that it, that are in place. Giving these men second and third and fourth chances and then acting surprised when he he's up to his old tricks. I talked to I talked about uh Rashid and Kirk earlier in the show. I mean, how many chances has Rashida given him? I mean, he was in the hot tub with the chick last what went last what two years ago? So it's like now he had a baby. I mean, what's next season what's next season's storyline gonna be? You gotta you know what I mean, you gotta stop giving these chances. And again, that comes along with knowing your worth and knowing your value. One of the last things that I said was, I said, ladies, never allow your happiness to be contingent upon a man. I said, allow Jesus Christ to be the source of your joy. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of times I, I see women, they, 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 de- they uh, deactivate their Facebook profiles around Valentine's Day. They de- deactivate their Facebook profiles around Christmas and New Year's. I said, what's up with you? What, you deleted me off your page? They say, nah, 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 I didn't delete you. I just, nah, I didn't block you. I just deleted, I mean, I deleted my page. I deactivated my page around the holidays. I said, really? why'd you do that? I said, well, I just don't like seeing all these, you know, these people all happy and, you know, I'm single and I just don't like seeing that type of stuff. So I said, well, so you just deleted, I mean, you deleted your page? I said, why not? Focus on you and, and, and you know healing yourself so that you can have love. You know, don't hide from it. I said that's like coming into your house and leaving the lights off. You know, because you got a mouse problem. You know, no, nah, don't. You can't walk around your house just so you don't see the mouse. You're afraid to turn on your lights because you don't want to see the mouse run out. Well, how about you just clean your kitchen? You know, how about you just, you know, do what you need to do to have the life that you want. 
You know, don't hide from it. Don't hate on other people because they're happy. Just do what needs to be done so that you can have what you want. You know, and so so don't, that's why I tell people, don't wake up in a bad mood if you're single. You know, embrace it. Don't be happily single, but at the same time, find things that make you happy while you're working towards the ultimate goal of having love. Those are two totally different things. No one is happily single, okay? And everyone wants love. Everyone wants love. So if you're happily single, that means you don't, you're happy being single, meaning you don't want love. So if you are working, you can be not upset. You can be happy while you're single. You know what I'm saying? You can be have fine pleasure in doing certain things while you're single. But don't lie to yourself and say, oh, no, I'm happily single. I'm, I'm just chilling. Because when you're chilling, that means you're not actively working on certain things designed to bring you love, which is what absolutely needs to happen. You want to always be working. You never want to be complacent. You never want to just be happy. That's like saying I'm happily poor. I'm, no, I'm happy on food stamps. They give me a couple hundred a month. I'm cool. You're not happy on food stamps. No, you, you want money. You want to be successful. Somebody gave you a billion dollars, you take it. So that means you ain't happily poor. Just like you're not happily single. That means that's like saying if, if love came knocking on your door, you'd say, no, nah, I'm cool, I'm happy. That's stupid. That's a defense mechanism. It's a lie. The first step in having love is both is, is admitting that you both want it and need it. And so many, that whole happily single is nothing but a defense mechanism designed to avoid hurt, pain, and heartbreak and disappointment. But when you take, when you step out on that ledge and say, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to take this chance, I'm willing to try, then good things will happen. You know what I mean? Whether that means online dating, whether that means, um, you know, forgiving someone who hurt you, but it can mean a lot of different things. But just don't lie to yourself and give yourself a false sense of reality that says you're you're you know you're happy or you are depending upon dependent upon a man or a situation to bring you happiness. You don't need that. Be just be honest. All right. But yeah, so those are the main things uh, that I would say. Um, the last thing I would say is, uh, and I said to the ladies the other day, actually, I said, good looks catch his eye, but a good personality, a great personality catches his heart. You know, and I think that once you acknowledge that, everything else falls into place. You know, having a good personality, a great personality, you know, no part of that is bad and bougie. No part of that is independent and having an independent way of thinking. Um, it's none of those things. You know, you're not going you have when you understand that, you're not gonna be on Facebook, you're not gonna be on Instagram setting thirst traps. You know, you're going to be, you know, doing what you need to do to please God. So those are some things. Hopefully uh you guys enjoyed it and got something from the top ways to uh, avoid the spring flings. It's a snowstorm here. It's a nor'easter here, right? But in a few weeks, it's going to be 60 degrees. It's going to be 70 degrees here in Philly, and who knows wherever you guys are. But it's spring, okay? And that you have an opportunity. You're going to be. You're going to. You are going to 
meet different people and be exposed to different situations, but you have an opportunity to turn away from those sinful situations and focus on yourself a a little while longer, you know what I mean, and have what you ultimately want, which is the summer love, which is the fall love, you know what I mean? So reach out to me if you'd like to partake in my private one-on-one. I'm now calling it Dating with Daydon, Understanding Dating with Daydon. If you want to participate in that, you'd like to set up a free consultation, reach out to me, 855-55-DAYDON, and, uh, you know, or email me, askdaydon at gmail, info at trctoday.com, and, um, you know, set up a free consultation because, like I said, I don't like to see anybody without love. I'm seeing a lot of the same people um, that I saw five years ago, ten years ago. And it's like my 12th or 13th year here, guys. I've been doing this a long time. I've been seeing a lot of the same people. Ten years later, are still single. Same people have been following me. Still, and I, You know, I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm just saying, at what point do you say, wow, I want to do something a little bit different? You know what I mean? So I thank you guys for that. I think about it real quick. I mean, some of y'all knew me before I was married. Some of y'all have been following me when I was actually single. In the same form, before when I when I was actually single, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I'm approaching. This will be my seventh year married in July. So, you know, just think about that. You know, again, eight five five fifty five data, and uh, I thank y'all for listening and share this show with somebody. You know, share the show. You know, a lot of people out there probably, you know, maybe working and may need to hear it, weren't able to tune in today live, but. Check out, tell them to check out the archives. Tell them to check us out on uh, on uh, iTunes, podcasts, all that good stuff. All right, guys. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you all next time.
Don't 